first down Denver. Now, first and ten. it's first and ten at ten. Huge Denver first down. Here's Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, and Andrew Mason. First down. On Orange and Blue 760. Good Tuesday morning to you, Denver, Mile High City, Colorado, points beyond. Andrew Mason here at the mic. Ryan Edwards settling in on the other side. Steve Atwater will be right back. Of course, you heard him with Tyra Columbus and Ray Crockett, former players, all with Super Bowl rings, yucking yeah. it up, having a good time. Maybe the, 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 the best studio th- is always like discombobulated yeah. after those round table. I love the round table. Some of the best, like twenty minutes. How do we follow that up? I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what we do for an encore. That's we can do it. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's like back in the 90s when NBC was tr- desperately trying to fo- find programs to follow Seinfeld and Friends, and they kept plugging things in the time slot, and they failed time after time after time. <laughs> Having to follow the the roundtable round there, ugh, man, it's tough. We're oh, going to try. That's funny stuff. But, That's good stuff. Good but stuff, they, yeah. did get Fra- they did get Frazier in that yes. last 11 years, so maybe maybe we can be like that. We can be Frazier. We're the Frazier of Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> I can live with that. Uh, are you Kelsey? Or, or am I, uh, let's see here. Who, who's Frazier and who's Niles? Niles. Niles. I love Niles. Uh, welcome to the show. This is first in 10 at 10. Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, Steve Atwater. Happy to be here with you. Great stuff, Steve, in that last half hour. Enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Always good getting getting up with the guys. Uh, old Crockett and uh, big Tyler Columbus and Andy Manis. That's good stuff, man. Good, good to share some old stories and uh, different little insights and kind of understand how those guys think about the game. Absolutely. It was funny, though, because, like, you know, I heard the, like, right at the beginning where Ray came in and he's like, well, Ryan was saying this about you. You're like, wait, Ryan said what? I'm like, no, no, no. Explain it correctly because I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put you guys at odds. No, no, no. I I basically told him what you said about the Buffalo game. Mm -hmm. We hadn't really got into completely breaking down everything about the Raiders game yet. But I told him what you said about the Buffalo, that you saw a lot more man and uh, cover one as you talked about it. And I sp- explained that. So, but he came in. He's like, "Well, Ryan said that you only play. They only play man." And you know. And then you were like, "Wait a minute, that's not what I said." So I, I had felt like <laughs> that's I, all good, I'm like man. shouting in my car. I'm like, "No, Ray, don't 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 make things harder for me." I <laughs> no, mean, man, we ain't got to do that. We're good. It's all good. <laughs> good, good. Uh, we will get into uh, obviously quite a few things from that game. Uh, you know, whatever's kind of left over from that. Uh, Vance Joseph had some really really interesting things saying yesterday in his press conference. But I kind of wanted to start with Monday Night Football. I wanted to start with the Chiefs game Man. and uh, what you guys saw from there. I didn't like what I saw. Okay. <laughs> Chiefs are too strong. Chiefs are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, at the same time, that was a winnable game for the Redskins. And oh, I, absolutely. You're thinking, I mean, you're sitting there from the Broncos' perspective and thinking, ugh, Josh Doxon, you got to catch that ball. Yeah. Both hands. Whole, he even secured it. Yes. Yeah. You got to complete the catch. But it's, you, that's tough, though, when you yeah, come down and, right. and you you hit the hit the ground. That's that's a tough catch to make. And then before that, I, I'm I'm watching the game with my parents. They're in town, and when Jay Gruden calls that timeout for the third down, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking no, but I'm also thinking, okay, you're showing an awful lot of confidence in your offense, but if this doesn't work, oh, yeah. if this play doesn't work, you've just given the Chiefs. A wide open window, mm-hmm. and there it was. And there it was. There was. It was just enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I wondered. And, at the and time, that's the thing. The Chiefs right now. They're the, they're the best team in football. They're un, They're unbeaten. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you a pre- preview of my power rankings. It'll be out later tonight. They're going to be number one in, in the league. I don't think there's any question right now. Yeah, there's nothing fluky about the way they're winning. No. And, you know, great teams, when you give them that small window, like the Redskins did, went by calling that timeout and then Doxson not being able to complete the catch, they're going to take that, take it, nudge it open. And the other thing, you know, I'll say this with Alex Smith and the Chiefs offense. Looking at it over a five-year period since Andy Reid and Alex Smith arrived, when they first got there, you know, 2013-2014, and, and, and Alex Smith went back to throw, you felt like at first it was Jamal Charles and that's it. It was a Charles-centric offense. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, Charles gets hurt, and then it forces them to diversify. You know, they have didn't they they brought they had Jerry Macklin at the time and they start having to involve Macklin. They start having to involve Travis Kelsey. And it was a weird thing that af- that after Charles got hurt, their offense actually became a, or a little bit tougher to defend because you couldn't in the passing game because you couldn't key so much on Jamal Charles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when Charles was there, Alex Smith would usually look to him first when he went back to throw. Dump it to Jamal. Make let, Let's see if Jamal can make something happen. So it wasn't just Jamal Charles in the running game. In the passing game, he was their primary threat, too. Mm-hmm. It was him and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And that's... But, but now they, they, they've added a target here and there. And now when Alex Smith goes back to throw, Man. he trusts everybody. Plethora of targets. You can't. You can't and, and there were some plays last night, and you could see the Redskins. They'd key on Tyreek Hill, or they, you know, they double they double up short on Travis Kelsey, and then you'd have another receiver running five Albert yards Wilson beyond, or, yeah. and he'd be open. Yep. Because and because the Redskins would double Kelsey, you'd have the, you'd have another target five yards beyond, and Alex Smith would he'd be looking in that direction, and because he's looking in that direction, the the, the defenders think, oh, looking at Kelsey, nope, looking five yards beyond, drops it in there, and. At, because Alex Smith now trusts his targets equally and he'll distribute the ball around, it's an incredibly tough offense to defend. The key, I think, and the fact that the Redskins kept the game close, and ha- look, they had the game in their hands, I think literally with the Josh Doxson chance to complete the catch and give them a potential game-winning score at the end. The key is make them dink and dunk their way down the field. Give them yardage, 20 to 20. Don't let them get the big play. Go back to last Christmas. Broncos were beaten early by the Chiefs' big plays, mm-hmm. explosive plays. So, yeah, it may be a matter against the Chiefs of letting them get five, seven, five, seven yards down the field and then constraining them in the red zone, keeping them at around 20, 23 points field goals instead of touchdowns. That may be the equation to beat this team. Don't give up the explosive plays, the long touchdowns. Make sure that if Tyreek Hill gets the ball, it's ten it's ten it's five, ten, twelve yards and he's wrapped up and he's not getting and he's not getting behind you. That's okay if they're marching the ball down the field and settling for field goals. Redskins could have won the game and they're gonna kick themselves for it because they had it in their hands, you know Credit to the Chiefs for getting it done when they had the chance at the end. But I look at that game and I say, yes, the Chiefs are are the best team. But there's a way to beat them. And the Redskins had a chance. 
and let it slip away. Man, how many injuries did the Redskins have? Oh man, last night? defensively, like yeah. every single play it seemed like somebody was going down. Yeah. They were lo- they were losing cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. Yeah, they they lost they lost a lot. Now they have a bye week this week, so they'll you know a little bit of chance to get healthy. But that that definitely played a bit of a factor. How about Alex Smith leading the league in quarterback rating right now? Oh man, and you know you're talking about eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, over a thousand yards so far passing, and. You know, there's there's a sense, and I was listening to the guys this morning. They were talking about, well, the league eventually catches up to everybody, right? But if, I mean, Alex Smith has put together a pretty long career. He's playing some of his best football right now. They were making the point of, you know, some of the college style, you know, that that Andy Reid has injected into this, where they're using a lot of option. They're using some of those, uh, you know, short little uh, dump off pitch pitches at the goal line. Uh, I mean, I I don't know exactly as Mace put it, you know, where you're going to specifically slow them down. You know, Washington was trying to make a point to stop Kareem Hunt last night. They want they they went they were making a point and to say and he still got 100 yards rushing. Yeah. yeah. And and it wasn't but like he could play he could play some football. Oh, he could play. He could play. So and, that's that's the thing is like so you stop that. Alex Smith still threw for almost 300 yards. But they didn't stop it. No. I mean, they, they didn't Not stop really. Kareem Hunt. Maybe. Well, I was saying that but that was their attempt. Oh to. yeah, that was their attempt and they 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 came up their linebackers were filling the holes. Safeties were coming up hard. Uh, it looked like they did were doing everything they could to to win that game, and I, I thought that they would be successful. But uh, in the end, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, they they did them in. I mean, Travis Kelsey had one heck of a game, man. That guy can play some football. Seven catches for 111 yards, including a touchdown. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is another guy that I mean, you know, this is the value of having an elite receiving tight end mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the league, especially one that can block too, because yeah. he can. That there, there's only a few of those guys, but you know, I mean, we we saw a nice performance from AJ Derby, and and of course he can play all of those things as well. And maybe there's some some development that could happen at the tight end for the Broncos, but that is going to be one of those matchups that for the Broncos is going to be tough. That's why they drafted Jake Butt. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of outstanding tight ends this year in the draft, but the one reason they like Jake Butt was because not only can be he be the tight end in space, but he can be the tight end that that operates as a blocker and operates next to the tackle, that he can do both. Travis Kelsey can do both. Jake Butt can do both. And if if two years from now, Jake Butt is doing the same things as Travis Kelsey is doing, or, you know, or then you're going to be ecstatic. And, and maybe he will. Certainly he, he's progressing well in, in his rehab. The Broncos are, are bringing him on, uh, are bringing him along judiciously, of course, because this is his second ACL. But uh, if things work out, Maybe in a year or two, Jake Budd is doing some of the same things in, in the Broncos scheme that you're seeing from Travis Kelsey right now in Kansas City. I will say this. Now, the Chiefs, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to say right now, I don't think they're going to be undefeated when the Broncos face them on Monday night in Week 8. I don't think so. Now, uh, you know, you got three games in between now and then for the Chiefs. You have at Houston, who looked like kind of a good team. as against Tennessee, but still. Uh, Houston, uh, Tennessee is, is kind of wildly inconsistent, right? Yeah, now. It, surprisingly, honestly, because I that was my pick for the AFC South. I thought Tennessee with Marcus Mariota was going to take that next step. Uh, they added some weapons on offense, including Eric Decker and, and uh, but, their new, the rookie Davis. But, but I still I think that might be the most likely loss for the Chiefs. That's what I was going to say. On the road, yeah. Pittsburgh comes in a week later, but again, they come into Kansas City. That being yeah. said, Pittsburgh traveling. Tends to be a mixed bag. Yeah, and but Washington did play well again. I mean, I I look at that. Yes, Kansas City is very good, but you know Washington had it in its hands last night. Mm-hmm. 
That that's at the, Arrowhead. Yes, at Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah, the the Redskins are kicking themselves. The Redskins are like they, they look at the Eagles game and the Chiefs game, and they're they're sitting at the bye right now, thinking we should be four and zero. Yeah, we should be four and zero, and we're shooting ourselves in the foot. On that point, really quick though, everybody gives Kirk Cousins a hard time because of you know the franchise tag, the contracts, the guy you know with the kind of money he's looking for. He played well he, enough oh, for them. Man. He played yes. well enough for them to win. He got last that night. pass in there. That's the, the you know. The, oh, and he was those and, runs. And the runs. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. the decision making was terrific. It's you know you're a little you're watching that you're a little nervous like oh boy whoa but they were great decisions. Yes, <laughs> and and he showed some courage that I hadn't seen in him before. Mm. Um, he looked like he he wasn't worried about uh, getting down uh, or, or sliding. He he's diving for first downs and he did it on, on multiple occasions. Uh, and so, as the announcer said, hey, uh, he knows the situation. He mm-hmm. knows the importance of this situation. And uh, he he took full advantage of that and, and showed what he can do with his legs. And, you know, your, your Terrell Pryor caught the big touchdown. That, that's a guy that so far has been a bit of a disappointment. Oh, man, yeah. I, I, I like Terrell. I like his potential. But he's just not realizing that. Uh, it's the same thing with Doxson. So you basically have two wide receivers. But Doxson, I, I said that that was a difficult catch just because the way he landed with it. I mean. Hey, man, what do we say? It's in the hands. Uh, I know, but still, man, that's, you know. you. I mean, I, I've never, like, <laughs> of, the, of the two catches, I, I mean. Criticize, but yeah. If a person catches the ball in their hands and, and it's a clean catch, you know, that's the easier catch to make than you catch the ball and then you come down and you land full speed under from from, you know, 40, 50 inches up in up in the sky, you know, it's 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 that's, that's difficult, man. It hurts too. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and look, your argument is sound. I under, I understand that. I think what happens is you got to make the play. Though. You got to make the play. <laughs> he, he had time to secure it, and you know what his strength is? He's the fifty-fifty ball guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you have Doxson on the team for. Is he's got, got that height? He has that advantage. And you know what? John Gruden was calling it the whole way. Yeah, like on the broadcast, got to give him credit. He was kind of channeling his inner Tony Romo. It, he's like Doxson should be the guy that yeah. he's targeting. Oh, get man. him with a fifty-fifty ball, and he's gonna come down with it everything lined up perfect both hands on the ball he went to secure it he just happened to come down right on top of yeah it. and if he'd come down on the side i think yep. it'd be a different story Touchdown. but mm-hmm. him coming directly down on it man that, that hurts too man I, I i i know that feeling of landing on the ball with the ball right on you sometimes knocks the wind out of you uh you feel like your ribs are broken uh but you're right i mean at the end of the day nobody wants to hear about the, the, the any excuses uh you got to catch that pass but uh if, if anyone's going to give a pass on one, that would be the one I would give someone a pass on, although it's the most crucial time of the game. Because Washington was able to have so much success on the road at Arrowhead, does that make you believe maybe there's a little bit of opportunity against their defense? I mean, we, we all acknowledge it's a good defense. But because the Washington was able to go into Arrowhead, does that make you feel a little bit better about the Broncos' chances here in a few weeks? Well, it's a good defense, but it's a defense that's clearly missing Eric Berry on the back end. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're get, I mean, look, oh, yeah. the pass rush is there. But you could see last night there are some opportunities for there are some opportunities for tight ends and receivers against against that secondary, and you know some you know you'll see you'll see their corners gamble, and without buried it there to kind of help clean up things, I think there's going to be some openings there. So yeah, you know, Vern- yeah, and so and that, sorry, go go, go a couple of weeks from now. You mentioned the Steelers. Yes, they're going into Arrowhead. But look at that receiving core. Look at Ben Roethlisberger. You know, look at Antonio Brown. They're, you know, that that's a team that may be able to make some plays on on the Chiefs. Yeah, and we saw Vernon Davis. He's like he's got a new life again. Oh, yeah. uh, early on in the season, we saw 
uh, Eric Berry against uh, the Patriots, he he almost took mm-hmm. uh, Gronkowski out of the game mm-hmm. in terms of uh, he he's covering man to man all over the field, and he did an awesome job. Now Gronk, of course, made a couple of nice catches too, but uh, that was great competition among those guys, uh, and that's what. Uh, the Chiefs are losing with him not being able to, with him not uh, being on the field. And remember, I mean, you know, the Chiefs have had some, they, they, they've had some road losses or home, pardon me, home losses they have. over the years. I mean, of course, remember, remember the Broncos when they went in there in 2015. Tampa Bay went in there and stole a win last year. They did. At, at Arrowhead. It is, and of course, the Steelers went in the playoffs and won. It's a tough place to play. Yes, it is not an impregnable fortress. 303-713-7600. Text line also 57739. Start with sports. Uh, great stuff, guys. We'll continue to kind of, over the course of this bye week, take a look at the AFC West, take a look at some of the other teams. Uh, that presents an opportunity, though. When we come back, I do want to hear a little bit from Vance Joseph. He had some interesting things to say in his press conference. Also, coming up this hour, a chance to win CU versus Arizona tickets. We'll tell you about more of that coming up. First and 10 at 10, Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater on Orange and Blue 760. <laughs> Offensively speaking about the red zone, it's it's been self-inflicted wounds. I mean, it's been false starts. It's been batted balls. It's been uh, holding penalties. You know, I mean, we at the five-yard line. We get a false start. Now we go back to the ten. I mean, your chance of scoring a touchdown goes down. Um, so, it's 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 more of what we're doing to ourselves. And I thought this morning, watching our practice practice the last two weeks, it's more how we practice. Our our Thursday practice is a practice of basically third downs, red zone, goal line, short yardage. And our last period is red zone. And I've watched it for the last uh, two weeks and it's, it's not very good, you know, so that's my fault, you know, so I'm going to move red zone up in practice so we can get more energy there. So that part we're going to fix, you know, we're going to spend more time on red zone. We're going to, you know, apply more detail and focus there as coaches and players and we'll fix that. But the concepts are there. And running the football, it's there. It's just more self-inflicted wounds and just giving it more attention, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. Because defensively, we've had two games where we wasn't in the red zone at all. But the two games we were, we were just average. You know, so we've got to fix both sides. Coach Joseph, yesterday, speaking in the media about the red zone issues, 0 for 4 against the Raiders on Sunday. Welcome back to First and 10 to 10. Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater. Want to let you guys know that you can come say hi to Steve on Thursday hey, hey. for uh, Bud Light Broncos primetime at Jackson's Sports Grill off Arapahoe and Greenwood Village. It's from 4 to 7 on Thursday night. So uh, you want to come down, say hi to Steve. Uh, he'll be there. Just come check that out. Uh, join KOA News Radio Thursday night. That's uh, October 5th for Bud Light Broncos primetime at Jackson's Sports Grill off Arapahoe Road in Greenwood Village. And, of course, uh, you know, there's going to be some football later that night. So, you know, a lot of of reasons to be down at Jackson's on a Thursday. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Coach Joseph saying they're going to move up red zone drills into uh, a more prominent spot in practice. You know, what what do you think, guys? Do you think that's going to be enough to change anything there? I do agree with one thing you said, that the concepts are definitely all there. I think the the penalties are a big part of it. Uh, The timing seems to be a little bit... Not quite there, but I haven't seen anything that that should be desperate about red zone right now. Yeah, I don't think that that it's it's a desperate situation. Again, uh, uh, like Coach Joseph said, a lot of it's self inflicted. Uh, the penalties that that's an area where we really need to focus on uh, the level, the number of penalties that we've had this year 
is just just way too high, especially in in those crucial situations. Uh, so uh, making a conscious effort to focus more on it uh, will definitely bring the attention that that it needs, and hopefully uh, the players will continue to take it uh, seriously and, and work hard through these periods. Uh, again, he's going to move it up in practice, and uh, we were, we just said in the last hour, Ray Crockett and, and Tyler and and I uh, talking about the reason why he's moving it up because sometimes at the end of practice. Uh, some players may not be fully into it mentally. They should be, but uh, that may be the case. So uh, hopefully by moving it up, uh, they'll get an increased focus on it and, and, and get a little bit better work on it and uh, the results show on the field. What do you think about that, Mace? Well, I think you have to. And what's interesting, the Broncos have actually run more plays inside the 20 than any other team in football. They've run 56 plays from the 20 and closer this this year. Like the the Broncos and Patriots have more – red zone plays than anybody else. You've done it again, man. I'm like, yeah. like where do you get that stuff? That's from profootballreference.com. <laughs> like they have a database that you can that you can look up. And of course, as you know, it's tougher to get yards in the red zone. So like on average this year, teams average two point nine yards per play in the red zone. Again. Yet, yet wow. the Broncos are eleventh in scoring. Yeah. Twenty four point five. They were doing game. great in the red zone the first two weeks. Yes. You know, seven touchdowns. Yeah, and we we even said coming off of uh, I'd say actually actually after the Cowboys game, we're yeah. like, my goodness, this team is just uh, you know they're clicking on all cylinders. Yes, yeah, they were. It, they've done. It's been a one eighty. So I mean, that's you're, you're saying okay, it was good the first two weeks. It's been bad the last two weeks. So the fact that it worked in weeks one and two gives you something you can lean on. It's not like it's been bad all through the season. Then you start really getting concerned. You can say okay. You did, you did very well at this in weeks one and two. Kind of lean on that. And that's why you can say, okay, it is correctable. Because you can focus on penalties. You can focus on, on specific plays. You know, a, you know, a, a sack here. You know, pressure. You know, you have pressure led to a tip, tip ball, a 10-yard loss, and goal to go there. I mean, there's you can single out things that can be fixed. And then, you're and then you're and then you're solving the problem. The fact that you're that you've you've run fifty six plays in the red zone tells you that you're doing a good you're you're doing a good job moving the ball downfield and setting yourself up with these opportunities. Now you've just got to ca- you've got to cash in in the way that you were cashing in in weeks one and two. Again, you're not asking the offense to do anything that it didn't already do. Just get back to where it was in the first couple of games, right. and that's what you lean on. And I wonder, uh, you know, we we know that, well, the, at least we we think that uh, Mike's McCoy, it, uh, his his offense is a is a vast uh, piece of work, uh, and have they even gotten all of the offense in yet? We 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 don't know that, uh, but if they haven't gotten it in, they're st- they may still be inserting new things on a weekly basis. So. Um, Certainly, this offense isn't where it's going to be uh, by midseason or even uh, at the end of the season. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll have everything in, and, and it'll just be uh, the repetitions, the uh, the the going over it over and over again uh, that will make it uh, the great def- the great offense that 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 we're all hoping that it'll be. Um, but we haven't gotten there yet, and I think we always got to keep that in mind, though that. The whole offense may not be in right now. They they may still be installing some parts of this offense, and in addition to the penalties in that, 
uh, that that could be an added uh, kind of distraction. Uh, still having to uh, install new new plays and, and new new uh, new themes in, in this offense. I, I think you uh, you're onto something about it not all being there yet, and I think that we, you know we can see you know the ideas of, of trying to get Isaiah McKenzie to work in a little bit. And, uh, you know, you're obviously seeing some games where the tight ends are a big storyline in in the win, and some games they're not. Uh, the one thing, though, that, you know, coming back to, as we look at a retool Tuesday, one thing I do uh, kind of have a question about is that Demarius Thomas wasn't a big factor in this game. Yeah, yeah. And as the most, probably the, the biggest weapon you have on offense, for me, there's a little bit of, well, don't you want to have the ball in his hands when you, you know, when you're talking just starting about talking about, you know, designing plays for other things. There was a lot of opportunities against the Raiders that we thought would be there. That one never really came about. What did you guys what do you guys read into his one catch for 11-yard performance in that game? Yeah, not certainly um, you know, not not happy about that, but I'm sure that the the team will take the victory over individual statistics. Uh, and you know, it's not it's not really about that. We know we don't know, know it's not about the statistics, but um I think we all feel that Demaris is, is going to need to be a vital part of this offense if we're going to be successful in the long run this season. We we can't uh, ignore him like he's he's not on the field. We have to make sure we get him involved. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to say this. Most wide receivers, man, they want the football. And if they're not getting the football, they're not happy. Um, DTL, if you're listening, you're probably not. But if you are, well, hopefully you are. Um Stay focused, man. Keep keep your mind in the game, regardless of the number of carries that you, uh, the number of balls that you get. Uh, stay engaged because uh, the time when you least expect it, that's when uh, the the floodgates are going to open. So just just hang in there, man. Hang in there. If they're you know if if defenses have to account for AJ Derby being able to make plays like he did on Sunday, then there's going to be one on one opportunities for Demarius Thomas going forward on the outside. And that's when there's going to be the eruption down the line. So games like Sunday where, and that first drive, when A.J. Derby makes a couple of catches that power the offense to a touchdown that puts the, that puts the Broncos out in front to stay, that see Trevor Simeon saying, oh, I've, oh, I got a linebacker on, 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 a, on, a pretty fleet receiving tight end, that's a mismatch. I'm going, I'm going to take advantage of it. I've got a tight end running who's you know was in the backfield running a wheel route, and he's got two steps. Take advantage. Defenses are going to have to adjust to the fact that A.J. Derby can make a one-handed catch, that you can't leave him alone. You can't give him that much space. And because of that, there's going to be a chain reaction. I mean, you can't... You, you, you can't defend everything mm-hmm. at every time. And that's going to leave an opportunity for Demarius Thomas at some point. And that's going and, and that's going to open things up. So between the running game doing well, and we've seen AJ Derby AJ Derby's made plays to help beat the Raiders. Benny Fowler had a couple of touchdown catches that made possible to win over the Chargers. These things in the long term are going to open up the floodgates at some point for Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, and they'll, there'll be an eruption. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I don't want to put a number out on it. I don't want to say 150, 200, but there's, but something big will happen at some point for either of those, 
for either of those guys. And then, and then this discussion will seem kind of quaint, I think, in retrospect. Well, what I can see so far, um, and this is kind of a broad picture for me, is that um, when our receivers and our offense in particular plays against a team that plays a lot of man-to-man, then those opportunities open up for the receivers. But when they play a lot of zone uh, coverage against us, uh, cover two, cover four, uh, we have a little bit more difficult time getting the ball to those guys. Um, and I'm sure teams do that for that reason because they know that Emmanuel Sanders and Damaris Thomas, you know, they, they can wreck your, you know, <laughs> they can make it for a long day uh, for the Oakland Raiders and any other team in the league. So uh, I think that the Broncos have to anticipate a lot of teams playing zone uh, defense against them because of the weapons that we have on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think all those are really good points. I guess it's one of those. I, I'm with I'm with you guys that there's a, this is coming that there there's going to be a little bit of eruption there. And as you continue to run the ball effectively, it only is going to make things easier for your receivers and for the passing game. Uh, that said, they they did win the game, of course. And I'm not going to sit here and, and and you know pout about anything. I just I look at what uh, when I when I think about the team and the success that they're going to have. There's an intention for me that has to happen about getting your best playmakers the ball. Yeah, and you see, you know, Julio Jones, you see AJ Green, you see uh, any other top wide receiver you want to talk about. Uh, maybe not Doug Baldwin, but but examples of that of the top Odell Beckham. You know, there's there's an intention of if we don't get the ball to these guys, we we may not win. Now, the good news for the Broncos is they have a lot more weapons than a lot of those right, teams. Right. So you you I, I point to those teams and I say, well, uh, you know, besides Odell Beckham. You know, you got Sterling Shepard and you have Brandon Marshall, but either of those guys are not nearly the weapon. The Broncos are showing other weapons. Just for me, I think about a way that this game could have been out of reach would have been get somehow designing more to get him the ball. That's right. all. And, and and when you think about this offense, uh, it has the weapons in, in multiple positions. It has the offensive scheme, which can basically be a – it can do whatever it wants to do. It, it can go in any direction – um, I think that the time is coming for them to, to see plenty of balls. Um, I don't think it's time to panic. Um, oh, no, no, no. That, that's not, no, no, this no, isn't no. panic. I, I didn't say yeah. you panic. I'm, I'm not, I didn't say yeah. that. <laughs> I didn't say you said it, but, yeah. you know, I'm just saying that I, don't, I don't think this is the time for that. I, I think that in due time uh, they're going to see their balls. I think this is just part of the process in order to get it to where everyone has to respect all those other positions. They have to show that yeah. it's a threat first. And now once people realize that, man, they can beat us from any one of these positions, then I think uh, uh, Emmanuel and DT will be able to see more balls and, and um, you know, do what we all are used to seeing them do. I just uh, You mentioned Julio Jones, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned his name because he had four games last year where he didn't even have 40 yards. What of them was with the Broncos? Yeah. He had yeah, a couple of... In three of the in three of those games, he had three or fewer receptions, mm-hmm. and the Falcons won all of them. So sometimes it's not about you know. Sometimes you're going to be a complementary part, at least in terms of yardage and receptions. And then sometimes Julio Jones is going to have twelve for three hundred. Now that's obviously an extreme example, mm-hmm. but you know it's you know g- game plans and points of emphasis in a balanced offense that can that, that can catch a defense off guard and force it to play on its heels change from week to week. 
I respect that, but I imagine he still had a healthy amount yeah. of targets in those games, even if even if it didn't all come to fruition. And you got to give credit to those defenses for locking him down because there's a reputation when you're Julio Jones that you're a yeah. game oh, yeah. wrecker. Yeah, and so that's that's part of it too. Is like the Broncos made that their mid. Hey, Julio is not going to beat us in this game. Now Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman had their run in that game. They both you know really really capitalized. But they, the Broncos were set on Julio Jones is not going to beat us in this game. And that's actually more complimentary to him, too, in the sense that, okay, well, you take that away. We're going to have to find other ways to beat you, and you do. So you're right. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a lot of credit to Kyle Shanahan and what they did out there in Atlanta. And Thomas Atlanta. was still targeted five times on Sunday. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, agreed. But we're talking about red zone issues. Yeah. We're talking about being better than 0-4 in the red zone and 0-2 goal to go. Well, for me, part of that would be getting Demarius Thomas the ball. They did try to. I'm not saying they didn't try to. There was one that, that we all remember at the very towards the very end of the game that was as close yeah. as could be. And Just a lot and, and the other the other thing is internally, sometimes internally, you'll count the PI as yardage for the receiver. Mm-hmm. And they're probably and he I mean, had a big PI. Yeah, and yeah. actually, I mean, you know, maybe the the one that he got was kind of a makeup for one that he should have gotten. He should have gotten. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I think I tweeted out something about like yeah. that was that was really really good coverage, <laughs> a little too too good of coverage as he's hugging, the whole, hugging the whole sideline side wanted that yes. first call. <laughs> yeah, he, he was hugging him down the sideline. Yeah, but for whatever reason, that was just good coverage. Steve, you probably saw good coverage, though, right? I mean, you know, as a DB. I... No, that was. That was <laughs> I like that. I like that. that That's was, good. I got to give it up. But that, was, yeah. that was P.I. That was P.I. And then, yeah, it felt like the other one wasn't nearly as bad. But, you know, again, you know, you you know the makeup calls. Uh, but that's about, you know, as far as observations on the offense, you know, as as I took a look back at the game, I thought, uh, as as jo- Vance Joseph sort of pointed out there, I, I think all the concepts are there. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything that, that is – remotely like oh my goodness if they don't fix this it's going to be disaster down the road i you're start you start from the run except for, that's going to help trevor we, we got a pass protection yeah is, pass pro that's is the only issue that i think we need to to improve on yeah. i'm not saying it's terrible but uh it, it certainly needs uh, trevor's pressure too much work. yeah he's pressured too much on the ground too much and i know offensive linemen don't like to see that uh because they look at oh man you know, I let this guy get back here, or you know, one of one of my uh, brother offensive linemen uh, let you know we let him get to the quarterback. We can't do that. We gotta 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 protect him. Uh, just like Garrett Bowles said during the preseason, hey, my quarterback is you know my, my team. They like my wife. It's like my wife. That's how you gotta protect that guy that in with that same uh, vigor in that same manner. That um, can't let anybody get to him. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. Something that we've addressed a few times on the, on the show. First two weeks in in those predominant wins, that was something we say pass pro, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Joey Bosa. I mean, those guys were still getting home. Then against the Bills, I think we we overall, you know, they still got home to Trevor, but it. I think we overall thought there was improvement there. And in in this game, I don't know what what do we think about pass pro in this game? Like like overall thoughts as you look back at it. I thought it was okay. You know, I'd give it give up four sacks. Yeah, I give it a C. Um, because I mean, you got to look at the competition too. These guys, you know, uh, they they came out and they played good ball on their side on their side of the ball. They were they were hustling around, making plays. But you know, it's up to our our offensive linemen to block anything that comes their way. I don't care what kind of spin move they do, what kind of game they're doing on the on the on the defensive side of the ball. That's your job is to protect the quarterback. Um, and again, uh, the sacks. 
you know, you're going to give up some sacks. Four, we gave four this last game. That's too many, though. That's mm-hmm. too many. I, I say one to two is, is acceptable. Uh, you don't want them. You don't want any, of course. Are those but, offensive line, are they Trevor or are they the running backs? Because, like, one of the sacks, the one that was almost a fumble, I actually say that was a little bit more on, C- on CJ than it was on Donald. Because he, yeah, because he, he didn't really chip the guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a good chip there. But, uh, I mean, but I mean, still, but, but CJ is going to know that but, too. But, but like, but, and CJ pointed out in his, his post game press conference. Yeah, but CJ doesn't block defensive ends on a regular basis. <laughs> That's a good. Well, <laughs> actually, know? he's a he's a pretty I mean, he, good. He chips them, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that, he didn't get get a good chip on him. But but I still think you know Donald Stevenson. Should have did a better job of, of blocking him on that play. Um, no, you know he he's getting into a game, a crucial situation. He he, he leaves the huddle knowing it's a pass play. You know he's got to get his mindset right. Hey man, look, <laughs> Khalil Mack is the man. He yeah. he's coming, uh, and he should have had the mindset that I'm going to take this guy by myself, and any help I get from the running back is just gravy. So pass pro for you is much more about the line, Absolutely. than quarterback running backs. What about you? It's everybody because some you know it's not just the line you know some some of it's coverage downfield some of it is 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 whole is the quarterback you know you want him to to get away I'll say this I mean Simeon at times did a good job kind of escaping the pocket and, yeah. and getting out getting out of pressure but it's a it's a collective effort in involved with it that you know that said you know it's you know in terms of in terms of the 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 pressure and the and the hurry and the hurries involved. Been you know it's been it's been up and down over over the court over the course of, of four games, and it's it's something that uh, you've got to you've got to continue to work on. Remember, for this offensive line, it's still a group that you put together with sixty percent mm-hmm. newcomers at the start of the season, and then half the time it's eighty percent because Alan Barber was you know brought in at the start of camp, and it's still a group that's developing. You lean on the fact that it's doing very well. In run blocking, obviously, and the Broncos have one of the best running games in the league. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know it's 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 going to be a concern with Trevor Simeon, uh, you know, getting hit as and and under pressure as as often as he's been under. And that's but still, if you're running the ball well and you're getting all these target these interior targets like Benny Fowler, AJ Derby, Virgil Green in earlier games. You're getting them involved. There's there there's some hope that you can alleviate the pressure on Trevor Simeon because of the ground game. Because you you started seeing some play action, you saw some play action stuff on Sunday, and because these interior targets are going to give you quick options, there's there's some hope there that you can do some things to alleviate the pressure on him going forward. Yeah. Let me check that last thing. I mean, I, I don't think that it's 100% on the line. I know lineman. you didn't. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. No, I, but I yeah. asked you what was the prime, like, like primarily oh, yeah, prim- what you're looking at. Yeah. And, and Mace is right. It is all. We all understand yeah, that. Yeah. I'm saying when you yeah. look at it, you know, because I, I was getting tweets from uh, one of the listeners saying it's all about Trevor. Like, Trevor's holding the ball too long. And, you know, I, I well, went. That may be the case sometimes. And I know people say, hey, he's got to step up into the pocket. Well, when there's an alley for him to step up into, yeah, but if there are guys rushing in the middle, you can't step up into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are times when he can do that, but it, that's not the that's not the uh, answer every time when guys are coming off the edge mm-hmm. to just step up because, you know, 
if there's nothing there, why would you step up in there? You see a, a guy coming from the middle too. So, um, but simply put, I think I think you you kind of nailed it down. If you're going to look at something in the bye week right now right. that has to be addressed, it's how much pressure he's seeing. He yes. we, we said it yesterday, fifty five percent. That's the most in the NFL over the weekend. That number has to be better. Period. It yeah. just has to because you're you know there's a certain amount of success rate that's tied to that. Some quarterbacks can look. All quarterbacks when they feel the pressure, their QBR goes down. I mean, it just simply put, but, but but not only that. I mean, when the guys hit the ground, that that takes a pounding. That takes a little bit out of them. And defenders know that they're trying to uh, hit you and get you on the ground every single play because as the as the game goes on, it has an effect on. Just like uh, in a boxing match, uh, guys are doing the body blows, hitting you in the stomach. You know, time and time again, it may not hurt in the beginning, but you know, after that eight, nine, ten rounds, man, you hey, that one, one more can do it. And we, we don't want that to be the case with our quarterback. We got to make sure we keep him off the ground, uh, you know, protect him like he's precious the way that he is. <laughs> <laughs> like a Fabergé egg. I like that. I like that. Is that how, is that how you guys feel quarterbacks are? Like, like, like Del- I'm, well, I'm no, kidding. No, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. saying soft. I'm, I'm just saying. In, in <laughs> you, term, didn't, you said soft. I, I said, didn't say no, that. No, I said precious. Like, you said like, precious. Yeah, so I didn't say soft. Like an egg. I said an egg. That was actually me. 303-713-7600. Fragile, huh? Hey, Trevor, hey, Trevor is Trevor's a tough guy, man. That's He won the locker room in part because of his toughness. Got to give him credit. Uh, but I always wonder as far as, you know, what uh, safeties, for example, think of, uh, you know, some of the more skilled, the, the, like kickers or like, uh, you know, quarterbacks. You know, it, all, it, all all the protection. it all depends on the person. I mean, I met some kickers that, man, they'll knock the crap out of you. And you got no some doubt. other kickers that, man, they, you run towards them. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Wish we had a camera here to, to show you hey, what the hands are. Hey, you know, away. our kicker is like that. Brandon's not like that. Brandon's not like oh, that. yeah, Brandon. He somebody, actually had a, an important tackle. Yeah. Uh, over, uh, on Sunday. On, uh, what was that? On uh, Patterson. Mm-hmm. 303-713-7600 is the phone number you need right now. Be caller number five. At 303-713-7600, and you're going to win a pair of tickets to see CU versus Arizona this Saturday, October 7th. That's right. Caller number 5, 303-713-7600, is going to win that pair of tickets to CU versus Arizona. Go Buffs. When we come back, we'll uh, get into some of the text line uh, at 57739. Make sure you start with sports, and we'll get to your take. Uh, We're going to have a poll question from Andrew Mason coming up here shortly. We'll tell you more about that. Also, and conversation with uh, Vance Joseph, as Vance Joseph met with the media yesterday. Uh, some great sound bites as well. All that still ahead. First and 10 at 10, Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater, Orange and Blue, 760. You know, when you have a big guy you know, who's engaged all the time, I mean, he's that way every day. You know, so that doesn't change because it's game day. I mean, he is he is on fire every day. And that's fun to see. You know, a guy in it with 12 year, I mean, he's had missed a start in seven years and, I mean, never complains. He's He's, he's here every day in a good mood, and that's that's key from a leadership position. Yeah, Domitop Echo has been a tremendous. I mean, you're talking about uh, signature offseason moves Man. for John Elway in that front office. Uh, Domitop Echo is uh, he, he's going to, right now, the early returns make you feel like, you know, the, he, he's hit on free agents before, but this this might go down as one of his top five, top ten guys. Yeah, man, it just warms my heart, man. Whenever you see the guy, he's in such a such a happy mood. He, he just brings so much positive energy to the building. He works hard. Uh, he's a leader. 
Uh, man, they 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 uh, really did a great job by by picking up Pecco, and he wants to be here. You know, mm-hmm. he, he wants to be here. He's happy to be here. He loves Colorado. It's it's just a win win situation, and he's playing amazing football. He's playing amazing football. They are one of the best run defenses in the league as a, in, in primary result of him. I mean, he's obviously got a lot of help, and they've done some different things with the scheme on defense. And we we've been addressing this sort of as it's moved along. But uh, Vance Joseph, actually, uh, Kevin, if we could pull up that cut uh, from Vance talking about the differences on defense, uh, as far as you know, what what you know the the big explosive plays and and why it's been happening. I think it's cut. I think it might be cut four. This is inside baseball. Yes, talk in Focus radio. In its details, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 plays that we've covered in practice that's hurt us so we've got to we've got to be better uh with our focus and details and to your question as far as it being more zone now yeah i mean we're playing a, a lot more zone than we played in the past and when you're when you're a zone team you have to be really really focused and detailed on your keys when you're a man team you just play your man that's 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 easy to do from a mental standpoint and hard physically you know, so we're trying to give these guys a break, you know, and not play so much man, but we have to continue to train it, and they have got to continue to play with more focus and detail. Because zone takes focus and detail. Yeah, so that was Vance Joseph yesterday. What's your reaction to that, Steve? Man, I, I love that because, um, you know, to be a, a complete defense, you have to be able to play man and zone, and we are amazing at playing uh, man-to-man defense but there are some situations where you got to play zone. Uh, we saw how the Redskins played the Raiders. They played a lot of cover two, a lot of zone coverage, and and really dominated the Raiders. Uh, we came out and we we did a decent job, but I, I think our our zone coverage isn't up to par yet because uh, we have uh, guys who are great man to man cover guys, and they got to get into that mindset of playing more zone coverage. And but I would much rather have guys who are great man-to-man cover guys, and you know tr- we got to work on some of the zone coverage, then it'd be the other way around because there would be situations where they have to play man-to-man. And if you can't do that, uh, you're going to w- lose a lot of football games. The uh, the decision to play more zone, a lot to do with the run, a lot to do with the guy. I, he mentioned about giving guys breaks. Can you explain that a little yeah, bit? Well, uh, playing man-to-man, it takes a lot of energy because, um, you know, again, the, the corners are on – some of the faster guy, fastest guys on the team playing the wide receivers, and they're running down the field time after time after time. And a lot of times, wide receivers they rotate out. You know, they'll, they'll go out for they'll run a go route, and they'll come off the field, and they'll put another receiver in, do the same thing. So uh, receivers get more of a break. The cornerbacks uh, have to run and, and be uh, focused in each and every play. So zone coverage gives them a chance to, you know, on some of those, a lot of the zones where it's a, it's a cover two zone, for for example, uh, they'll have to press the corner, but pretty much stay in a, in a confined area. They may not get any deeper than say 15 yards uh, versus a man to man. If a guy uh, runs a go route, you may have to run 40, 50 yards down the field, full speed <laughs> and, and worry about the ball coming. Even if it's not makes sense. Mace, uh, it, it seems as though, we're we're seeing a little bit of a transition with the defense in, in this respect, and we'll get to your poll question. By the way, Andrew just put up a, a really good poll question. We'll get to that at Mace Denver in just a second. But but staying on this just for a, for a moment, they're having so much success against the run, and and we had to imagine that they had to more do more more to do with than just one player with Domat Tapeco. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had to do with with really a, a focus about 
the team saying this year we're not going to be 27th against the run. It was two things. It was telling the returning linemen to get bigger and stronger right. in the weight room. Adam Gotsis got bigger. Derek Wolf got bigger. Uh, Jared Crick, of course, he's out for the you know out for the year with his injury, but he got bigger and stronger, um, or potentially out for the year. He could maybe return later on if he recovers from from the uh, disc injury, but also kind of some philosophical changes. Um, how they attack the first part of the game, in particular, throwing some different wrinkles in early, setting a different tone early. They thought that would not only that would help the game flow, that that would help the help the team not play from behind as often as it did last year, and certainly that's been successful. The Broncos have played from ahead. That has, in addition to getting bigger and stronger and winning at the line of scrimmage far more often, playing from ahead has also forced teams kind of into more pass-intensive mode. So it's it's all worked exactly as the Broncos hoped it would to improve the run defense and get to where it is. I mean, you can't argue with the results. I mean, they've allowed fewer rushing yards in four games than at any point in this franchise in, history. In, in this in this point at, at any t- at this point in the season in franchise history. It's incredible. Yeah. It really it really is. And also fewer yards per carry yeah. as well. I mean, teams are running the football less now than they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. So, of course, you know, the the raw yardage is going to be less, but it's fewer yards per carry. So that's that's very significant. Well, and, and I mean, the, the, the fact is that uh, what it tends to do is if the Broncos can slow down, if not shut down the run of another team, then it, it, it should, in theory, play into the strength of this defense because what the strength of the defense has been is that no-fly zone for a while. But, but the one thing that we're seeing is, so as the secondary continues to get attacked, right? I mean, as that continues... To happen, those guys have to. What's up, Andy? <laughs> Just kind of wandering in. I know, I know. But then everybody starts laughing, and yeah. Uh, but but as that the secondary continues to be attacked, that's where the, the are, are we seeing cracks because of the the change in philosophy a little bit. Well, again, I don't think it's a change in philosophy. I believe it's just building on the foundation that we already have. We have a man-to-man foundation right now, and I, I believe we're broadening that foundation by uh, being able to play uh, zone coverage effectively. Some teams play 90%, 80-90% zone coverages, and others mm-hmm. play uh, about that percentage of man-to-man. And to be able to have both of those in your arsenal can only help you in the long run. So I think this is just part of, part of the bigger plan to become a better overall defense. 303-713-7600, also the text line 57739. We'll get some text on the other side here. we got about a 20-second break at the top. We'll get to some of the text here uh, kind of following up on our conversation about the offense. I think some people, as they think about this team in the bye week, that tends to be where a lot of people are focusing their en- right. energy on. Mm-hmm. The defensive stuff, I mean, look, the, the numbers are outstanding. You, you talk about the one big play. <laughs> right. Other than that, it was, a, it was a dominant performance on every single Absolutely. level for the defense. So I, I think most people aren't really stressing about the defense. But the offense does have some questions. We'll get to those. Also, Andrew Mason put up a poll question at Mace Denver. Who is the Broncos' offensive MVP through the first four weeks? CJ, Ron Leary, Trevor Simeon, or someone else? We'll discuss that coming up next year. First and 10 at 10, Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, Steve Atwater, Orange and Blues. 
first down Denver. Now, first and ten. it's first and ten at ten. Huge Denver first down. Here's Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, and Andrew Mason. First down. On Orange and Blue 760. Interact with the show on Twitter, at Base Denver, for Andrew, Andrew Mason, at Steve Atwater 27, at our Edwards Radio, at Orange Blue 760. Hey, I want to remind everybody... On the Rockies fans out there, and even if you're not specifically a baseball Rockies fan, they are in the postseason. I think it's going to be a lot of fun either way. The I, I I could we could this isn't a baseball show, so we don't we're not going to get into it necessarily. But I will say that uh, what you want to do is you want to listen to the home team call. That's right. Uh, as baseball gets into the postseason, it tends to go national. Well, we here uh, at our sister station. KOA A fifty. They're gonna have the home team call KOA News Radio starting at four thirty on Wednesday. You can hear Rocky's countdown with our uh, with our guys. Uh, of course, the the entire crew: Jack Corrigan, Jerry Schimmel, and uh, Rocky's countdown with Mike Rice and Corey Lopez. That cover starts at four thirty. First pitch around six o'clock. Uh, but you want to make sure that you're checking that out on Wednesday night. I, I know. I know. We're all three of us are looking forward to it. Been a, been a long time coming. It's been a bit since eight, 2009. Eight years. And, yes. You know, there was. I know there were there were some people saying, "Why are they celebrating with champagne and everything for one you know for one game playoff?" Well, look, it's not the Rockies' fault that Major League Baseball has this borderline farcical situation where you have a round of the playoffs that's just one game. Mm-hmm. That's that's the situation they're under. It should it should be a best of three. three. I mean, they should be they should be a game today, a game tomorrow afternoon, and if necessary, a, a third game tomorrow night. But that's because baseball is built around series. It's not the way it is. It's Russian roulette, random outcome, one and done. That's what you have to deal with. Zach Greinke versus John Gray. You just hope it. You know. Hope it comes out in your favor. Hope the bats are hot. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So excited excited for that tomorrow night, and you can hear the home team call. I'm already on... nervous. <laughs> I know. I am, I am too. I, well, I, I am too. I am too. It's, we, we've, you and I have been following the team all year. Uh, Steve has as well. And, you know, it's hard not to just be a little bit anxious. But we are all very excited here. Our sister station, KOA News Radio, is going to have the call. And we can't wait uh, to hear that call coming up on Wednesday night. Cover starting at 4.30. Uh, getting to Andrew Mason's poll question, you can find it at Mace Denver on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the ding. Uh, who's, the, yeah, who's the Broncos offensive MVP through four weeks? C.J. Anderson, Ron Leary. I like that one. Trevor Simeon or someone else? It was tough. I mean, I thought it, Matt Parrott or Saron Leary to represent the O line, uh, and statistically, I kind of I wrote and I said in, in response, I said, "Well, PFF has Leary the highest graded." It was a coin flip. Matt Parrott has done a lot of good things, but the thing with Leary is there's been a couple of moments out there where I've I've seen him kind of getting after it after the play a little bit of it's in the Cowboys game some kind of you know, verbal exchanges a little bit. I mean, Ron Leary, you know, with, with media is, is very quiet. It, but when he's on the field, you can kind of see that nastiness coming through. And that's something the Broncos brought him for. Not just his physical play, but his demeanor and his tenacity. And I think that, especially in the run-blocking game, 
has fundamentally helped change the tenor of the offensive line in a positive way. What do you think, Mace? What, uh, what do you think, Steve? You call I'm me like, Mace. I'm literally listening to Mace and, and looking at you. Uh, Steve, I mean, I don't, you don't have to necessarily tell me who you voted for, but uh, it, it seems to me, I think there's going to... Well, I'm, th- I'm going to predict that CJ's going to win CJ. this. Uh, yeah, C- yeah. CJ, CJ's fourth in the league right now in rushing. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, th- that's a part of it, but um, again, his mentality, his leadership... Um, all of that kind of plays a part. You know, when he's on the field, he's like a second quarterback on the field. Um, he's been consistent uh, week in, week out. He's He showed up. Um, he's run hard. He's he's caught passes. He's made tough first downs. I, I don't think you can ask any more of, out of him. And, and he is also splitting reps, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it, it's part of the part of the deal here with, with the, uh, stable of great running backs that we have. But, yeah, I think he's he's done a great job of, of uh, you know, not letting any of that get to him mentally. And, and he, he's showing up every game and, and, and played well. Let's get to some of the text line uh, reaction, and then we'll also get some of the reaction on Twitter. Some good comments coming in on the poll question. Uh, Hi, guys. Love the show. Just wanted to tell Mason I got his new book today. Looking forward to reading some of it on the bye week. Go Bronco. Hey, right. Thank you. Yes. Nice. Yeah. That's right. It's uh, the second edition of Tales from the Denver Broncos Sideline, which is now available local bookstores, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Wait, what's the name of it again? Tales from the Denver Broncos Sideline. The second edition has Vaughn Miller nice. on the cover, of course. Sweet. The most recent Super Bowl MVP uh, it's updated with stories from the last few years. Of course, the Broncos a Super Bowl run. So check it out. It's not too early to start buying your holiday gifts it's for right. the Broncos fan in your life. So appreciate. And if you catch up with me out out and about, I'll be happy to sign it. Yeah, man. Congratulations, man. That's that's all. Thank that you. Thank that's you. cool. It, it gave me an opportunity to plug. Remember how I used to have you on on my shows? Yes. And I'd always make sure every single this time guy Ryan ever here was like my. Practically my agent for about a year, <laughs> my publicity agent. I mean, he would plug it better than anybody. Whether yeah. it was podcasts, yeah. radio, it was anything, yeah. I always, I always made sure we plugged it. So he, I, I give him partial credit for the fact that there, there is a go. second edition of this book. Yeah, oh, my man. Stuff, man, well, good that's stuff. And so when I saw this, I was like, ah, yeah, we have not done that yet. So let's make sure we get that in. Yeah. Uh, also uh, on the text line, uh, where's the pocket for the downfield throws? Too much pressure on the quarterback. Need better O line play coming. Coming back to what some of the points yeah. you were making yeah. in the previous hour. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, he needs more time. I mean, especially if we're, we're throwing deep balls, uh, that can't be uh, a, a three second window. You know, we need a little bit more time than that, and um, that's going to be one of the areas that the team focuses on in this bye week is uh, making sure that uh, Trevor Simeon is staying on his feet and has more time to, to throw those down the field passes. Also on the text line, Trevor, Trevor can't get his weapons the ball because, like last year, he's under pressure. Basically the same thing that uh, the previous texter said. Uh, or is on his butt since the line is having trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and that's that's something that uh, I, I think I, we call, all came to the consensus that if you're as you hit the bye week, mm-hmm. red zone, pass pro, those are probably somewhere in one or two of things that you want to consider. You know, Trevor didn't turn the ball over this last week. Right, which was huge. It was it was absolutely huge. I was having this conversation with Ray yesterday, though, and I I guess I can kind of bring it to you guys, and then we'll get back to the poll. Was he being too careful? Was the offensive game plan at times a little careful? Not not scared, but being careful of hey, look, 
an understanding that as long as we don't turn the ball over, the Raiders can't get back into this thing. We think defense is playing well enough. The running game is working. The Broncos are, are stopping everything else. We just can't turn the ball over. I mean, I read you the stat yesterday about what he is in first half versus second half as a quarterback right now. Is that an fair assessment? Am I being is am I reading too much into it based on just how the game flow was going? Well, well, personally, I, I think that's smart football to okay. you know to 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 uh, not necessarily dial it back, but just be conscious that we we can't turn this football over in this clutch time. I mean, that, that's a mark of a good quarterback and a mark of a smart team that when you have a lead, you don't blow the lead, especially with turnover. So uh, if they did that consciously, I don't blame them for it. It's like Kenny Rogers saying, you got no one to hold him, no one to hold him. <laughs> <laughs> no one to walk away, no yes. one to run. Yeah, the rest, the rest of the show now, I'm going to be uh, humming that along. We might need to be bumping with that here in just a little bit. Well, yeah, and that's and that's part of it too. But, you know, and, and he is, I think, over time, going to continue to learn when he needs to that's part of fold a, himself in half like Peyton Manning style. Yeah, that's part of a young player developing. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton would often make the self-deprecating joke about being a rookie, and hey, you know, hey, uh, he'd always say, you know, yeah, I'm waiting for another rookie to come along and break my record for interceptions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. It, 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 when I, when I think about I think about Peyton Manning. He's quite the historian. He he, he, he studies everything. I, but I, I like the fact that he, you know it's it's sort of hey he he was human and and that was part of his learning process and some of the, and and some of these things are part of Trevor Simeon's learning process and you see every young quarterback go through that and I think sometimes we have to step back and remind ourselves that for Trevor Simeon it's start. I mean, right now it's start eighteen. They just completed, or or whatever, or or whatever it is. Now there's going to come a point, and you hear it from you hear it talked about with other positions, and the same will be said for Trevor when you say, okay, he's not a rookie, or he's not, and certainly he's not a rookie, but he's that the mistakes have to stop. The key thing is you you don't want to see the same mistake again, like the the throws against Buffalo. Yeah, you don't want to see them yeah. again. And certainly we we didn't, and you had a game against the Raiders. Okay, it, you know the offense wasn't as explosive as you wanted, but you did see no turnovers. The Raiders had to they had they when they scored it took long fields. They weren't starting drives in Denver territory. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out though about making the same mistake again because what was the reason Mark Sanchez didn't work out here? In part because he kept making the same mistake, the same yes. reads, like dude. I mean, over and over again. How many times are you going to do this? Yeah, and and uh, the players notice it, the fans notice it, the coaching. I mean, everybody notices. Like, yeah. hey, hey, man, that's you know, that's more than once that you've done that. Yeah, and that's something that I think Trevor so far, uh, you you can you can go through what you want him to be, and maybe he gets there, and you hope he gets there. But that's the one thing that we know. For a fact that he is, he's been working very, very hard at is not repeating those mistakes. So I think that was really well said about that. And so for all the people that tend to be very critical of Trevor and kind of hopeful he'd be further along, recognize first, 18 starts into his career, mm-hmm. and, and and secondly, recognize the winning percentage, and then and then really recognize, hey, look, he didn't repeat anything he did as far as mistakes against Buffalo. He held on to the ball, and the only way the Raiders were getting back in that game was through turnovers. That was it. Yeah, and. What I can say, too, I know a lot of people don't like him taking sacks, but I'd much rather him take a sack than mm-hmm. throw an interception. 
Take a sack and protect the ball. And protect the ball. Yeah, right. take a sack, protect the ball. You know, and a lot of times, if he's in the pocket, he hasn't gotten outside of the pocket. He, he can't just throw it out of bounds anyway because it's, it's a penalty. Uh, he's got to get outside the the um, the, the, the uh, pocket. But hey, it, was, it was funny what you said, Mace. I had to look that up, man. Uh, <laughs> Peyton had 28 picks his rookie year. Yep, yeah. I, I can imagine. You're like, man, I got to get that off, man. Uh, somebody else come along and throw 29 picks. There's been some rookies that have flirted. I mean, if they got maybe a full season of playing, that's that's what's been sort of interesting is, you know, in some cases, like like I, I think last year Jared Goff might have been able to push that. Now he's playing well this year, mm-hmm. but Jared Goff was yeah. you know, struggling last yeah. year. But they didn't play him the whole year. They didn't start him. The number one overall pick, they didn't start him for the whole year. I don't know if a court – I mean, you think about it. Will a quarterback stay in long enough that's what as I'm a saying. rookie yes. to, to threaten that? I mean – I know, now the single season record, regardless of experience, is uh, for the N- now for the NFL it's thirty five. You include the AFL, it's forty two. George Bland threw forty two picks in nineteen sixty two in the AFL. In the NFL, forty two picks. Dude, that's yeah. a lot of picks. Can you imagine like modern day NFL <laughs> a quarterback throwing forty? What would we say? I mean, what is that even averaging? You want to know game? the amazing thing? The team that he did it for, Houston. The Houston Oilers yeah. went all the way to the AFL championship. <laughs> Come on, oh man. With 42 picks? Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. But he what is threw, it? Were he, they playing, what, 12, 14 games back then? I mean, 14 games, 27 touchdowns, and 42 picks. Come on, man. Wow. And he played they the entire They must so have averaging a, three, now, three they per must game. Had a mean defense, yeah. boy. Now, yeah. I remember the Testaverde <laughs> season in Tampa Bay in 1988, and I believe it was 13 touchdowns and 35 picks. But they stuck with him because he was a young quarterback, number one overall. Then right behind. And then you have a couple more AFL quarterbacks. Frank Trapuca uh-huh. for the Broncos in 1960, 34 picks. John Hadle. And then, let's see, Peyton has the uh, the rookie record of 28. And then, <laughs> let's see, who let's see who would be next among rookies. Mm, I'm trying to find it. I'm here. trying to think about. I'm looking here, let's see. There's name. Of, I mean, you put no, up the no, point. No, no, no. You 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 made the point that like, how often are they going to get to stay in and keep doing that? Oh yeah, not but, in today's time. Yeah. Andrew Andrew Luck had a pretty high interception rate. Not 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 like that though. I'm trying to remember. I mean, like rook like recent rookies having those kinds of those struggles. We'll tell you what. We'll look it up. I've got it. Actually, okay. I'll have it here in a. I should have in it a couple here. of clicks. Jim Zorn. Oh, for the wow. expansion Seahawks in nineteen seventy six. And again, expansion team. Yeah, right. He threw uh twenty seven picks. It was right behind Peyton Manning. I bet Peyton knew that too. He probably did. <laughs> <laughs> He's watched it as he went if up. I, if, and you know what? Next time I, I next time Peyton is around the building, if I if I see him, I may ask him. Yeah. And if he knows it, I'll bet you he will know that. I, I, I bet he will, too. 303-713-7600. Text line 57739. Make sure you start with sports. When we come back, we'll get to some of these comments that uh, this poll question has brought up. Some other names that uh, some people might list as offensive MVP ahead of C.J. Anderson, Trevor Simeon, and Ron Leary. We'll get to that coming up next uh, and more comments from Vance Joseph yesterday speaking with the media. This is First and 10 and 10. Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater, Orange and Blue 760. I'm not concerned. Um, he has to make that kick. You know, that, that kick would have been critical for us to be up by three scores. That game's basically put away. 
Vance Joseph, yesterday on Brandon McManus, as uh, we play a little Tom Petty, bumping back. Saw Tom Petty, I think, about three times. I remember seeing him with Pearl Jam. I saw him twice at Red Rocks. And, uh, you know, my band, not that I want to, like, relive the glory days, but my band, we used to cover uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. That was one of our favorite, like, cover songs to do in the band. So, uh, yeah, big Tom Petty fan. And, uh, yeah, we found out yesterday that... uh, he passed away at 66, so, uh, oh, man. yeah, that was well, tough. Last Dance of Mary Shane, man. That's, like, from my high school years. That's, like... Such a cool rock song. Oh, man. So cool. We, I, mean, we, I, I, could, I mean, I, I just... I, I want to start singing it right now. Yeah. But I'm not going to, because I'm going to spare the listeners. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did sing a little Kenny Rogers earlier. I mean, it was more of, like, just speaking it. It's but, more... Yeah, I mean, clear your voice. Just I clear could, your throat a little bit. I could <laughs> do... The only kind of thing I could do is, like, the William Shatner spoken word <laughs> thing. <laughs> From that Ben Folds album, or what? Yeah, yeah. I have that. That's by a the good way. album. That's yeah, a, that's a surprise. That's a surprisingly good album. I'm a big Ben yeah. Folds guy, so yeah. I, I have it as well. Three zero three seven one three seventy six hundred. I feel like I, I did hear them bumping Kenny Rogers the other day at, at practice, so maybe that's where Trevor got his inspiration for holding the ball and, and not uh, turning it over. <laughs> maybe that is that where you got that from, or you just no. you just came on top of your head. It's just it's just off the top of my head. All right, it's, it's something I it's. It's a good. Can you philo- imagine bumping a- Kenny Rogers at practice. That'd be great, actually. <laughs> that, that whole song is kind of a good philosophy for life in general. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd have to look up who wrote the song, but I think it's. I'm not a Kenny Rogers fan in general, but I just think it's a very. It's a the Gambler is a very poetic song. It is a very poetic yeah. song. Uh, on your uh, poll question at Mace Denver, who is the Broncos' offensive MB- MVP through four weeks? C.J. Anderson, Ron Leary, Trevor Simeon. Someone else right now, C.J. Anderson with 54%. Running away with it. A little bit, much, yeah. Much like he was running away from the defense. Nice, nice. Through well, the first four games. Well done, well done. He's he's fourth in, he's fourth in yards right now. And uh, to be honest, if we were to say that C.J. Anderson would be top five running the ball in the league before the season even started at the quarter point, I think we all would have been pretty pretty thrilled about that return and and don't and of course you're getting the complimentary uh production from jamal charles Mm -hmm. as well so far and that's and that's and that's helping boost the entire offense and and the and and the running game it's really been the perfect uh uh one to one two punch i mean you can call you know call it thunder and lightning or whatever you know (laughs) whatever cheesy thing that you want to uh, come up with no one's no one's really come up with a, a name for a, a CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles at that point. I'm sure someone's gonna come up, gonna figure out something. But you know we're at the quarter pole here, so you're sitting there. You know Jamal, you know CJ's got 330 yards, so he's he's on pace for uh, 330, 660. Uh, um, so a little, you know, just a, a little over a 1300, 1300, 13, uh, 20. And as a team, they have 572. Right, and and. Uh, and Jamal Charles is uh, on pace for 700 yards and is averaging 5.3 yards per carry. I mean, you've, and that's 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 outstanding. outstanding. And uh, Charles, I mean, he's he, he's t- I mean, he's 33 33 carries and uh, three receptions. So Jamal Charles is touching the football nine times a game. C.J. Anderson is touching the ball uh, just under 21 times a game. Mm. 
I think that's, that's good. Yeah, that's about that's right. Pretty good. And yeah, they're they're, they're third in the league in rushing right now. They're yeah. averaging four point four yards per carry, which if you usually look at the four yards per carry mark as, mm-hmm. as sort of the baseline, about average of the of the league, four point four is where you want to be. One hundred forty three yards per game, and that that for me is just outstanding. You talk about a what a leap forward. We we were discussing in the first hour the leap forward the defense took against the run. And and that that's even above and beyond what I think all of us expected. Of course, mm-hmm. averaging what fifty yards per game now they're giving up fifty yards per game rushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to to on the other side of the ball to jump up to top five rushing in this case top three at one hundred forty three yards per game, I, I think that you have to be o- overly thrilled. And it's only going to continue to continue to refine, in my opinion. You know, may, maybe the number stays about there. That's fine. You know, that is what it is. But it's going to continue to you're going to add a little bit more Devonte Booker, which gives you another bit, a little bit of a look, and you're going to add you know once the passing game can get a little bit more uh, defined and on track, that's going to only open up things for the running game as well. Yeah, and that and and we've actually seen in the last two home games, the Broncos have had an early touchdown drive fueled by the passing game against the Cowboys. That first series that with a touchdown, a couple of catches by Demarius Thomas, a couple of catches by Emmanuel Sanders. On this scoring drive early in the Raiders game, not right out of the shoot, of course, there was a three and out start the game, but you had Benny Fowler, A.J. Derby mm-hmm. making catches downfield. And that opened some lanes for the running game on subsequent possessions. So there's still that, even though the passing game maybe wasn't as efficient as you wanted from start to finish, you still had that complementary offense going on where you do have the pass sending up some things for the running game. The two teams ahead of the Broncos, no surprise, number one's Kansas City. <laughs> 654 yards on the season, averaging 6.4 yards per attempt, 163 yards per game. But that's a lot more about Kareem Hunt than it is Sir Kendrick West. Sir Kendrick West is more the receiving out of the backfield guy. Uh, Kareem Hunt really has, and they use Tyreek Hill once in a while in the running game, but really that is all about Kareem Hunt, who right now leads the league in rushing. No, no surprise there. And then Jacksonville, the number two team. I, I'd say, again, early surprise as far as them being able, you draft Leonard Fournette, there's an expectation they have Chris Ivory there. There's an expectation that they run the ball effectively. But to ha- to be top two in the league right now, I- I'd say early on, that's one of the surprising stats for me on a team that really has been predicated on the pass for so long. But they lost Allen Robinson to start the year. And it almost seemed like once they lost Allen Robinson, they said, you know what? We're tired of putting the ball in Blake Bortles' hands to win this thing. Let's start running the ball. And uh, Jacksonville so far has actually had a pretty good start. Yeah, I think you you run the if you're Jacksonville you run the ball until you until you have to throw. Yeah. Between your ground game and and your pass rush on defense. You've got a team that's built that you're built to to run the ball and you're built to play from in front. And that's mm-hmm. you know, Jacksonville's a team that if it gets an early lead is built to keep that lead with Fournette on Fournette on the offensive side. And the pass rush on the defensive side. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, is having just an out, uh, unbelievable year. Yes, so far he's he's like the top ranked corner, basically in almost any stat. They do some things defensively in terms of the the secondary at the back end 
and the pass rush up front complementing each other that are reminiscent and have echoes of what the Broncos have done. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. It, it, it actually felt, felt very familiar, but basically seeing how they're designed. Uh, so l- coming back to your poll question, who is the offensive MVP so far? Uh, we went over some of the stats. Let's go over some of the comments in this, and we'll get Steve uh, in here to to uh, talk about some of these. Um, Doug writes in he likes Matt Paradis as his offensive MVP. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely have to give him credit uh, where it's due, coming off of the injury, you know, the surgery, the double hip surgery. He was the guy that if I had again Twitter, <laughs> forget about two hundred eighty char- characters. <laughs> I need more poll choices. <laughs> I implore you. I want six to eight poll choices, not just four. Get it done. Yeah. Help Twitter. me here. Because then I could have included Matt Paradis because he was the guy that I wanted next. And he's had a good season. I, I looked at, uh, you know, I look at Don't for break one that play. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying Steve, Steve just fixed it. Yeah. I may go <laughs> I buy go another man. one. Yeah. But I got to pull on my tools. <laughs> or actually, what, tools I, yeah. <laughs> what I need is another set. Maybe I got it, you know, the, an, maybe I need the uh, just the the cheesy radio. Uh, you know, sound, you know, all the all the sound pieces. I need the the bike horn and the, you mm. know, yeah, <laughs> like old school radio. Yeah, yeah back you in know, the day, just, record scratches <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know, I know the South Facts. Anyways, but yeah, you were saying, but yes, uh, Ron, uh, yeah, or Matt Paradis, uh, the the block that he had on Jamal Charles is a screen pass. That's the kind of work that he's doing, not uh, downfield. In addition to what he's doing at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Tremendous work. I think he's had a good season. And I always think it's a travesty that uh, offensive linemen don't get the credit that they deserve. Um, and even if the offense is, is is maybe giving up something in in pass rush, uh, there are still guys who are playing extremely well on that offensive line. Um, especially when you consider the job we've done in the run game, uh, how effective we've been in, in uh, you know leading our running backs down the field. Uh, definitely Matt Paradis deserves to be in that conversation. Um, it, it's not a flashy position. We all know, uh, you know, the offensive line is, you know, one of those overlooked positions, but it's, it's extremely important. And uh, I don't think any of us, uh, you know, underestimate the no. value that they provide to the team. But you typically point out offensive linemen when they get beat. Right, more often right, than when right. They... And it's not right, man. It's not right. We got to do a better job with that. That's yeah. actually one of my reason, my favorite reasons to follow Andrew on Twitter is when a big run breaks, it's not the, uh, wow, look at C.J. Anderson look run. At block. It's, it's look at the seal-out block or, or look at the blocking downfield. Like, like he always has the immediate – you know, and honestly, some most of them I have to go back and see those things yeah. as they develop. Uh, Mace picks them up right away, so I, I give credit. Virgil Green had a great block on CJ's forty-yard mm-hmm. run. He kind of ki- he kicks to the inside and and and, and gets the and gets a, and gets a seal, and then CJ kind of just goes right past. Him. There's a lot of great work on that play, but CJ, it's you know, it is a, or Virgil had had a really nice play there. It's amazing how um, seldom does a running back have a successful game or career if the linemen aren't blocking and linemen receivers yep. to everybody's they're, they're not working together um a successful running back is indicative of a good offensive line and, and, and good teammates that are uh blocking for him down the field now we saw that with marcel sean lynch on the other side where i mean the guy has all the talent in the world. i still think he has the talent to be effective but if if the line isn't blocking for him or i wouldn't say they're they're, <laughs> they're getting beat yes <laughs> Uh, he has no chance. 
then that would be the same same situation here if our line weren't doing their job. So uh, kudos to you for that that question. Uh, who was that? With the that question? was from Doug. Just Doug, pointing out yeah, Matt Paradis. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, yeah. Good, good point out, man. Uh, big props to uh, Matt Paradis. You still think Marshawn Lynch has got something left, huh? Oh man, he can play ball. Uh, he can play some ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I I'm that, less of a believer. Well, I mean, we we won't see with this line with the way that the, the this line is, this is supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the game. They not they aren't. Yeah, he doesn't have any holes. That's true. <laughs> he didn't That's have true. any that I saw anyway. Um, I mean, because he's played against eight man boxes before. I mean, he's played against defenses that were trying to stop him before. He looks like a thirty one year old running back right now to me, and that doesn't mean he can't still have a game or two here and there where he gets by. I don't know if he's got the burst. I you you but, can't but keep I, him in there at the complement of snaps that we're used to seeing from Marshawn Lynch. That's kind of my point. Yeah, you can't because you're not getting any yards. Well, but it's I, not just, just saying, on him. Though. I mean, he can't just. He's not fooling anybody right now. He he didn't never fool anybody. It's not <laughs> like a, he was fooling anybody. Actually, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> he just did what he did. He it, ran into the contact. It took a little while when when John Riggins came back from his year off, roughly the same point in his career. At Marshawn Lynch, it took him a little while to kind of get untracked mm. before he got going. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging Marshawn Lynch just yet. I want to see where he is mid-season and end of the season. That being said, you know now you're gonna, Derek Carr is not going to be there. So, oh yeah, they're, that, gonna they're going to lean. They're going to lean on Marshawn a little bit more. But well, see, just see the same way we're saying that this offensive line is one of the main reasons that C.J. Anderson and, and Jamal Charles are having their success, that's the reason why he's not having this success. You can't have success as a running back without your offensive line blocking. I don't care how you slice it. And if they don't pick it up, Marshawn is not going to be buying any any watches for his offensive line. <laughs> but this is That's the truth. But this is why Oakland's in a bit of trouble here, not just because of the quarterback, because as you just sort of pointed out here, they're going to be leaning on him a lot more. If the offensive line isn't giving him those opportunities, if he's not creating, which we've seen him in the past be able to create a little bit, if those aren't things aren't happening, where is the production going to come from? Because Amari Cooper continues to drop the ball. Uh. Michael Crabtree's right now. He's banged up. He's out. We'll see if, if he can come back this week. The, the point becomes, if you're Oakland, what, where's where's the production going to come from? Are you going to all of a sudden see a Seth Roberts show up? Are you going to see Jared Cook become uh, one of the top tight end receivers? He can't. He's always had the potential. But that that's where I, if I'm the Raiders yeah. right now and seeing what their quarterback well, I thought was last year. Actually came in I, thought he, I thought he was yeah. fine. Did, 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 and and did now he's going to get all the prep and he's going to yeah. get all the opportunities coming up. It's just more of, hey, look. They've got a series of games. I mean, I, I was looking at uh, the Raiders' schedule yesterday. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. But the Raiders, uh, it, it doesn't get much easier for them. Uh, they have Ravens, who who look kind of bad, but they got to get to host them. Chargers, who again, you know who they are. But they got Chiefs, they got Bills, Dolphins, and maybe if 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 Derek Carr is the full length of his uh, basically of his injury, they get him back in time for the Patriots game. So the they got thing, a buy after the Dolphins game. They have a buy after the Dolphins, and then they have the Patriots. So the, the point the point really becomes, and that's six weeks. So the point really becomes the Raiders, based on what's going on with the AFC West, they're in a little bit of trouble if they can't start stringing together wins to keep yeah. up with the Broncos and the Chiefs. Yeah, that's my point. Well, I'm with and, you and, and, yeah. and can Marshawn Lynch be the guy that they can lean on in and, that process? And that's why this game last Sunday was so critical. Yes. Because the loser was looking at being two games back mm-hmm. of the Chiefs if the Chiefs beat the Redskins, and of course they did. And so now they're two games back without their quarterback. Yeah. Whew. Significant. Coming back to the uh, poll question here, a couple more comments. 
Happy to vote. This is from Taylor. Happy to vote Leary here. Uh, we've seen CJ falter behind blocking time and time again. Leary is the critical improvement we needed. I mean, both sides of the ball, yeah. both sides of the offensive line are blocking really well. Leary is an attitude change. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is he's been great in in both really pass pro as well. It's tough with the pass pro because it is t- typically judged about the whole line. You know, I mean, you get blown up on the right side. Was that the tackle? Was that the guard? Was that the, the running back? I mean, what you know, what was that? But but it's specifically, I think Leary, along with Garrett Bowles, have added a, a little bit of an attitude shift along the offensive line. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, Leary, if you see him, he's a a mild mannered guy. <laughs> but uh, when he gets on the field, he he turns into another person. Uh, we saw that uh, after a couple of plays, he was pretty scrappy uh, when he was uh, against the Cowboys last mm-hmm. week. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I love to see that. Uh, Ron has been solid ever since he's gotten here. He's helped stabilize that offensive line. Uh, him being a veteran, great player with the Cowboys for several years. Um, he, alongside Menlik Watson, they're dominant, especially in the run game. And again, we talked about earlier, Menlik Watson needs to uh, pick it up some and, and make sure that uh, he's doing a better job of protecting the quarterback in passing situations, though. Adam Watson votes Benny Fowler as one of the MVPs. He had a couple of critical catches this last week. Uh, in, a, in a game where the receivers didn't have a lot of big moments, he actually had a couple of really nice ones. And he's done some stuff on special teams Absolutely. as well. Good point. Getting yeah. downfield. I mean, if you were kind of incorporating that into the equation, I think uh, you'd have a, a, a case for him. But certainly he's been pretty valuable as the as the number three receiver, as an inside target. We had Benny on with uh, Ray yesterday. and I Because that, that second pass, the one that went through A.J. Derby's hands yeah, and yeah. he caught, I asked him, I was like, okay, so who is that, who is that to? He's like, yeah, well, I don't f- know. No, well, no, the, and Ray predicted he'd say himself, and I was like, I don't know, man. I think he might go more, and, and sure enough, Benny's like, oh, that was definitely to me. Okay. There was, there was oh, no, yeah. Hey, that was definitely to me. And I was like, well, hey, man, either way, uh, tons of concentration. Both catches, really. Both catches he had, tons of concentration uh, because they, they were both not uh, of the easy variety like Josh Doxson had. That was an easy catch. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was from our conversation earlier. Uh, a couple more things here, and then we'll uh, we'll switch it up. Um, let's see here. Bowles. That's that's a that's a vote here for Garrett Bowles, offensive MVP. Garrett Bowles. I can see an argument. There's an argument. I mean, I still would would go with a uh, CJ. I mean, he'd be my he's he's my vote. Um, but Bowles has played well. Yeah, I mean, if you we, say we could, yeah, rookies, we, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's done an amazing job of of, of picking up this offense and then going out and competing against. Uh, some of the greatest edge rushers in the NFL in 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 the AFC West. Uh, so yeah, he's he's certainly up there. Um, just you know, I, I think when you think of MVP uh, or, or most valuable player f- for this period, uh, we're looking more at stats in terms of uh, yardage, catches, passes. All right, see you later, Mace. Um, so a lot of times linemen don't get graded. <laughs> Is as uh, as much as the other skill positions do. So, um, you know, he could be in the running. Again, I, I haven't looked at the offensive line that close to to be mm-hmm. able to tell how he played in comparison to the rest of the offensive linemen, though. Uh, but I, I I know he's he's given up some pressures as uh, each player on the offense has. You know, they haven't done anything perfectly, but um, I know that. There was a time early on where he's Later given up pressures. He, both he and uh, Menlik Watson have given up some pressures. 
Andrew's taken off. Uh, he's got to head down and cover the uh, Broncos locker room. So just in case you're wondering why all of a sudden he's gone, it's not like we're talking over him. He had to take off. Nice. But you do have to say it, it feels like we're grading a bit on the curve if we're going to say that Bowles is the MVP of the offense only because typically with a rookie left tackle, you expect to see you know some 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 problems. You expect to see holding. You expect to see big sacks given up, and we haven't seen any of that. Yeah, so we're... he's playing great. And it, it, but it almost sounds like a backhanded compliment to say he's playing great as a rookie mm-hmm. because he's playing great just period. as a yeah, left tackle. Yeah. So I, well, I guess this I'm wasn't a compliment in, on you in terms of MVP mode. You know, best best play so far this season. I, I don't think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in that category just yet. Just yet, yeah. I I I tend to say. Paradis Leary are going to be your your standout offensive linemen. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. And then and then Bowles would be the third guy on there, and and that's not even grading on a curve. I think it just simply put, he's the third guy on there. He's been playing really great. Uh, it, it's an offensive line that still that still needs some help. That still needs a little bit of time to work and to gel. I think that's the the overriding message that we're getting. Whether it's Max Garcia, whether it's Alan Barber who uh, splits time, Minelik Watson, all those guys. You know, just because we point them out doesn't mean that uh, they haven't done good things right. because That's the right. run game obviously is on track. A couple more uh, comments here. <laughs> when are we going to get the ball to Sanders and Thomas? Hey, man, we, we talked about zero that touchdowns so far for Thomas. Yeah, zero, zero touchdown. Uh, uh, I think uh, some of the defenses have, uh, well, they've been playing a lot of zone coverage uh, to make sure they can uh, have eyes on him, get hands on him. Uh, and kind of keep him under control, both he and he and Emmanuel. Um, but as things continue to develop with this offense, this offense um, uh, shows other areas that we can beat teams uh, with the tight ends, with with the running back, with the running game, uh, getting the uh, running backs involved in the passing game. Uh, teams will have to loosen up and focus on those areas more, and I think that'll open up more opportunities for both Emmanuel and DT uh, on the outside. All right, so again, you have a few minutes left to vote on this uh, poll question. At Mace Denver for Andrew Mason, uh, who is the Broncos' offensive MVP through the first four weeks? And as we said earlier, you and I both voted C.J. Anderson. Yeah. Not not a big surprise when he's you know fourth in the league. The team is third in the league as far as overall rushing, 143 yards per game. Those early returns are something that uh, we, could, we can go on and on about pass pro, about uh, the quarterback needing to improve specific parts of his game. The running game is really where it's at, and I harped on it all last week, man. I couldn't. I yeah, would not. Yeah. I would not let it go. Yeah, we got to get the run game. Got to get the run game. Yeah. It's simply put, the the difference between winning and losing for me. It's it's like life and death for me. If they don't have a running game, this team isn't going anywhere. Yeah. No, and that's 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 a valid point. Uh, and they listen to you, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I because Buffalo Buffalo game, we got away from the run a little yes. bit, and you know. Although we were having some success in the run game, uh, we got away from it. So uh, I think the coaches are listening to you, man. We got to keep keep doing your thing, baby. All Broncos all the time. That's what we do here That's right. on the text line five seven seven three nine. Make sure you start with sports. My vote is for Charles, though he's not getting all the touches that CJ is getting. CJ, uh, let's see here. His best when he's threatened. Oh well, he's saying that basically when CJ is pushed. Um, sorry, the board is blended together. But when CJ is being pushed by another running back, he tends to play better. And, and I would say that over the course of CJ's early career, when he has another complimentary guy, somebody that's pushing him. Now, CJ, on the other hand, 
He's got plenty of reason to have a chip on his shoulder. He's an undrafted guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's oftentimes not looked at as a quote unquote elite back in this league, even if he get. But he's putting up numbers that are in the top tier running backs. We talked about it earlier. He's fourth in the league. When you're top, when you're top ten at any position. Oh yeah, you, you're, you're elite. elite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. And CJ, he's shown that he can be elite. Uh, I, I don't recall a time since CJ's been here when he's been on the field that he hasn't made our football team better. And Agreed. we haven't noticed that, man, this guy can run the football. So um, the thing with him in the past has been his injuries and with him uh, having the workouts that he had this offseason, uh, supposedly in the be- he's in the best shape of his life and it's showing. It's showing in his production. It's showing in his ability to stay on the field and stay healthy. And we're just uh, keeping our fingers crossed that, that this lasts throughout the, the, the full season. And I'm sure he is too. Well, yeah, and, and it was – Part of the reason the Broncos struggled down the stretch last year. You know, once he went down, yeah. you know, it, again, you know, we we think good things about Devontae Booker, and I love the depth that the Broncos currently have at running mm-hmm. back. You know, it's a good problem to have where you're saying D'Angelo Henderson, who looked like a, a, a rising star in the preseason, can't even see the field right now. Yeah. That's a good problem to have. That's okay to have that problem right now. Because you know as time goes on, it's a position that tends to get a little banged up. Yeah, it tends to get banged up. So I, I would say all those guys, even D'Angelo, yes. keep your head in it, keep studying, because when you least expect it, expect it, you're going to need to be ready to go, and you need to know what's going on so you can pop right in there uh, without us losing the beat. I, I was making a point earlier in the season, and then I, I may come back to it again, so don't, you know, don't hold any of this against me. But I was making a point earlier in the season that maybe the Broncos should consider – not giving CJ as many touches as they're giving, you know, maybe sort of, you know, scaling it back a little bit, having the other guys and, you know, we saw Devontae Booker touch the ball. So, you know, they, to an extent that happened anyways, but at the same time, the way he's running the ball right now, I think you've just got to ride that hot hand. You got to, you got to let him stay in there as long as he's running with that kind of intensity, you know, worry about the other stuff later. So you're saying you're changing your position? Is that what you're saying? A little bit. I I think there's still going to be times in games like like this was still a close game. Mm -hmm. If you get into a game like against Dallas, for me, against Dallas, late third quarter, fourth quarter, that's where I really want to see Devontae Booker take the reins okay. there. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like in games where it's where it's a sizable, you know, two, three touchdown difference yeah. and the yeah. defense is playing like they're playing, you feel pretty good about it to get to just mix in some more. But if it's a game that's a touchdown or 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 you know ten point difference in the game, yep. the way he's playing, yeah, give him the you you mentioned the the way he sees the field, what help he can bring to Trevor in the backfield. Yeah, I, you make some good points about you made a. I've, I'm coming around a little bit to your view on that. Is what I'm saying. Well, I mean that's that's what uh, you know that's, that's what he said. I didn't believe that's what the coaches said. They, you know he's like a, a second quarterback on the field, and just from us viewing his production. Uh, he breaks tackles. He's fast. People can't catch him, uh, and he's been. He, he knows knows what he's doing, man. He, he, he's you feel you feel good with him on the field. You feel like you guys like like the offense is better with him on the field. Agreed. Three zero three seven one three seventy six hundred is our phone number. Text line five seven seven three nine. Make sure you start with sports. Another segment to go before we hand things off to one on one with Dave Logan at the top of the hour. Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater on first and ten at ten. Orange and blue seven sixty. Nice touch, Kevin. She grew up in town, had a good looking 
Welcome back to the show. Turn that up for a second. He played Free Fallen earlier. Uh, Coldplay actually did a cover of that last night at their show, which is kind of cool. Not that everybody's into Coldplay, but I thought they did a good version of it. This was my. This was always my favorite. You jam, for Tom. Huh? This, this is my. This is my favorite. That was great. The uh, the video with Kim Basinger in it. It's old school. When MTV used to place videos, I feel old when I say stuff like that. Nah, man, you you good, baby. You're, you're <laughs> the right age, baby. Three zero three seven one three seven six hundred. Good stuff. The Kevin Stevenson did a great job today with the music. That was that was a really good one. Uh, right there, as uh, yeah, Tom Petty, uh, sixty six year old years old, uh, no longer with us and. That's a big part of my childhood. So, yeah, that was, that was a tough one. Uh, on the text line, uh, tired of hearing that the sacks Trevor has taken is on him holding the ball too long. Then in the same breath, those same people say that he doesn't stretch the field enough. Which do you want? Him to stretch the field, which means holding on to the ball, or not taking the sacks by getting rid of the ball faster, which means short to intermediate passes. What's your reaction to that? Hey, you don't have time to stretch the field. Nope. <laughs> Not right now. We, we we haven't at least, uh, and and when we've uh, kept guys in to help Chip to uh, provide a little bit uh, longer time for him, uh, the guys are you know playing zone coverage on the outside and, and kind of doubling the guys up. So um, we like to see that as well. Um, once we get uh, our offensive line to where we can uh, handle. Uh, these elite edge rushers effectively, I think we'll, we'll be much, in a much better position to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, he's got to have that time. You, you, you know, you're right. You can't really have it both ways. You want him to get the ball out fast. He isn't, in fact, as far as the that that marker goes, he isn't, he's definitely not one of the top guys in the league. He does tend to ball hold the ball a little bit. So you want, to get, you want him to get the ball out fast, but he's also going to have that time. His pressure 55% uh, in the course of the game against the Raiders. I think what it comes back to sort of what we were talking about with Demarius Thomas is sort of designing opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. rollouts, you know, having some opportunities where he can move outside the pocket a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, because the thing right, is, it doesn't have to be a long pass. You just yeah. want to get the ball to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, so, you know, it's not holding the ball in the pocket for too long. Cause you can't do that. Yeah. There's, there isn't a team in the league that that works for. Nobody can do that. You can't hold Man, the ball Tom in Brady's the pocket. Down there patting the ball. Pat. Yeah, yeah. There, okay, oh, but, but, he had no, not, but not this it. year. Okay, this year the offensive line. I mean, he's he's taken. I think like almost the most. I gotta go back and look, but I think he's taken nearly the most hits in the league of any quarterback. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he's had a. T- they've had a tough year, and you know, over the course of this week, since it's the bye week for the Broncos, we're gonna get a chance to sort of branch out a little bit to the other teams. The Patriots are gonna be one mm-hmm. that we'll probably take a look at, as they are right now. They're the. They're basically if not the worst, the second worst defense in the league. They're giving up the most pass yards. Yeah. They're giving up. They were giving up the most points until Indianapolis gave up uh, whatever that 40 some points to Seattle the other night. They were the worst uh, offense uh, defense in the league. So that their defense is getting absolutely crushed right now. Offensively, they can keep up and, and make game shootouts, but we know that recipe doesn't work. Yeah, that's definitely surprising, especially for a new England, a, a Bill Belichick coach team that uh, defensively, uh, they're they're not as as strong. Um, yeah, they gave up what five hundred and thirty seven yards in the first game against the Chiefs. <laughs> four twenty nine, four nineteen, four forty four. Yeah, they're they're giving it up, man, in the run game and the pass game. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Yeah, it's it, not 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 good at all. And we're used to the Belichick defense, you know, making those adjustments. Like like you thought after the loss 
to the Chiefs, they'd make those adjustments and okay, well, you know, they lose to the Chiefs and you know that was a bad loss, but they'll they'll get back and they did win the next game. But boy, they uh that that defense is uh it's a sieve right now. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. I'm kind of uh, wondering if Matt Patricia's job is not if he's on the the little bit of a hot seat right now. Their defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you do? I mean, is it the player? I I, I doubt that it's the scheme. It's got to be the players because this scheme has worked year after year after year. It's a little bit of a talent thing too because they keep ship, yeah, they've shipped off a is. lot of talent. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll have plenty of time over the course of uh, the rest of the week to. Uh, get into that, and then we'll kind of branch out a little bit into the AFC West as well. Uh, to finalize, Andrew Mason's poll question, which was uh, live at Mace Denver on Twitter, who's the Broncos' offensive MVP through four weeks? 56% said C.J. Anderson, 20% said Ron Leary, 13% said Trevor Simeon, and 11% had other votes. Does it is it an issue at all for you, and maybe this is a bigger topic for tomorrow, that Trevor Simeon is third on that list? Uh, no. Um should it be an issue for the Broncos that he's third on that list? What, should he be number one? Is that, is that what well, you're I'm saying, saying should, your quor- should your quarterback be the best we- offensive weapon you have? Do you, see, do you see my point? Some teams aren't built like that. So maybe that – I don't think th- – this makes sense. I'm, I, I'm saying this actually makes a lot of sense as far as this team goes. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying – what does it say about Trevor? What does it say about the Broncos that the quarterback is not the offensive? Well, MVP? I think I think we'll have games where he's definitely the MVP. Um, but just I, I would say overall, uh, over these first four games, though, uh, I think that CJ has just done a better job. I think they both done 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 a really nice job, but I think CJ just outshined him a little bit more just because of the position and what he. Uh, and the commitment to the run. Yeah, the commitment to the run. Yeah. Uh, although we, you know, we we've. we've Tried to pass the ball, so I just think there's just too much pressure on him. And if if he was able to have a little bit more time, I think we could be talking about him as the uh, as the MVP over this period of time. Brandon Cristal, who's going to be joining BK. Dave Logan, come on, you want to do a little crosstalk here with us? Yeah, no, I'm saying I'll be joining myself. Oh, okay. You'll oh, be joining no day today. Dave should be back tomorrow. Okay. Good so to know. I will be uh, joining myself. Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, McChesney may swing by. One on one with Dave Logan featuring Brandon Cristal by himself. There you go. It's like the Larry, the Larry Sanders show with, uh, or the Gary, Gary Shandling. Yeah, the Larry yeah. Sanders show with Gary <laughs> Dave Logan show with Brandon Yes, Cristal. with Brandon Cristal. <laughs> so, uh, BK, yesterday you guys had uh, Vance Joseph, John Elway. What kind of tricks do you have up your sleeve today? Well, the locker room is uh, open over at the UC Health Training Center, so hopefully our pal Romy can uh, sneak a phone on somebody and we'll. Talk to an AJ Derby type, a Justin Simmons type. Bi-week like locker that. rooms are tricky. They they are tricky because these guys are all coming in from a very short position group meeting, where they were self scouting, probably looking at some of the things they like from the first four games, maybe some things they need to fix. But they all come in staggered. They all come in as groups. You'd be like, oh, here's all the DBs, here's yeah. all the linemen. So it's can you pick one of them off in time? Hey, will you talk to uh, BK? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, I'm, like Fingers crossed. If not, there's a good chance we may uh, hear from Vance Joseph again from yesterday. Okay. Conversation. Uh, Matt McChesney, I think, is going to be on Great. by a little early, around 1230 or so. Yeah, you guys did a really good job yesterday. I was uh, driving around, uh, checking you guys out. Uh, you know, obviously heading down to uh, UC Health to hear uh, Coach Joseph speak to the media. But, uh, you know, it was obviously a tough day yesterday, and I thought you guys uh, you guys handled it really well. Thanks. Uh, and same to you guys. I mean, look, it's Ryan, you and I worked together uh, across the street when the Aurora Theater shooting mm-hmm. happened. And I was on the air five hours that day. I had to mm-hmm. sub in 10 to right. noon and then did three to six. And oh, that was the toughest day of my life. So yesterday wasn't much easier by any means. Yeah. On that day, I'd had a friend who had been 
killed in the, in the theater shooting uh, that had worked with us at the station. And so that was added yeah, to that. Yesterday I had family and friends that were at the concert but were safe. Good. So, look, it's a terrible Good. day, but I had a little experience, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's bad enough when, you know, uh, people die from natural causes, but when something like this happens, it's totally unnecessary, and there's really no reason for it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to know why. Uh, I wish we knew why, but some things there's just no, no rhyme or reason to, no answer to, uh, just insanity. Coming up. Next, Brandon Cristal will take you from now until 3 o'clock. I'll be back on with Ray Crockett this afternoon for the Ray Crockett Show. Uh, plenty of head coverage of the Broncos, all Broncos all the time, and uh, some reaction probably to last night's Chiefs game. You're listening to First and 10 at 10, Ryan Edwards, Andrew Bates, and Steve Atwater on Orange and Blue 760. Thank you, Kevin.